Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Civic engagement is a core value of our nation, and as we host the 2020 vice presidential debate, Utah students will be able to learn about the political process and experience firsthand how being involved matters. Those are the words of Ruth Watkins, president of the University of Utah, uh, in uh, looking forward to the debate to take place at Kingsbury Hall on October 7th between the two vice presidential candidates, the only debate of its kind uh, this election cycle. And it is a great honor for us to play host to that event here in the state of Utah. I have uh, had so many questions about what is coming, what, what should we be looking forward to, and what is the role of both presidential and vice presidential uh, debates in like today's era of politics. We uh, in the past certainly thought of them as ways to learn about the candidates, to be exposed to them uh, and the full breadth of their beliefs, right? Some of them, some of these debates are, are very long form and candidates are able to, uh, to, to speak at great length. Well, uh, we today, you know, we've got Twitter, We've got uh, YouTube. We've got uh, the, the Internet uh, at large uh, offers us countless opportunities to become familiar with the candidates. And uh, and so what is the role of the debate to, to help me uh, understand that? And also uh, some of the covid concerns that may be still swirling is Jason Perry, vice president of government relations and director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah and currently serving as chairman of the campus debate steering committee. Jason, how are you? So glad to be with you today. Yeah, thank you for making time for us. Uh, tell me, um, we just learned yesterday uh, from Chris Wallace and the presidential debate or the Commission on Presidential Debates, the topics uh, that will be covered during the presidential debate of next week. Uh, we'll hear about the Supreme Court, COVID-19, the economy and how the candidates feel. Do we have any sense uh, of what topics may be covered uh, at the, the vice presidential debate on the 7th of October? Well, we don't know that yet. This is kind of how this works. It's interesting. Chris Wallace, of course, released uh, through the Commission on Presidential Debates, and that's the group that owns these debates, the only group that puts these together. Right. And so they work with the moderator to put together what the topics are going to be. For us, on October 7th, it's going to be Susan Page. She's uh, the Washington Bureau Chief for, for USA Today. So as soon as this next uh, debate is over, she will start putting putting out her list of potential topics, and they'll release that to us. What's interesting, I mean, there's no guarantee this is going to be happening, but uh, our partner, the Utah Debate Commission, has just finished a statewide essay 
contest for students all over the state of Utah. They all submitted the one question that they would like to ask the vice presidential candidate. And uh, the winner will be announced very soon on that. But uh, Susan Page just said, I would love to see the winner of that one to see if I get that question in the debate. Oh, so very a nice cool. way to get Utah involved. Very cool. What age group was solicited for that for that contest? This was every age group, elementary school up to high school. Oh, okay. Uh, very cool. Well, well, the debate we're looking forward to here in Utah, divided into nine segments, about 10 minutes each. I'm guessing that each of those segments will be a new topic. That would uh, it tend to uh, correspond with the format of the presidential debate coming up. So uh, potentially nine different topics to be covered. I, I have, you, you may have heard me ramble on about this before I brought you on the air. Uh, in this new era of the Internet and information being uh, available you know, at a moment's notice, we have a pretty good sense uh, of where candidates stand on issues, be them candidates for the president or vice president. In our case, what's the value of a debate today? Well, there are a couple of things, and I'll give it from their perspective of these candidates. One is they solidify their own base. A lot of them are going into this debate with people already made up their minds. They want this candidate or they want this candidate. One thing they need to do is need to motivate that group because it's one thing to support them, but they need them to show up and vote also. So a debate can really motivate someone. The second part of that is uh, they still need a lot of money. They need people to not only like what they do in the debate, to see them as a viable candidate, to see someone that's actually going to win. And if you come off on this debate stage, look like someone's going to win, the money starts flowing. The name ID goes up. That helps tremendously. Occasionally, you have you know some risk in these debates where there's some kind of gap or some kind of mistake that's made. That can be detrimental also. So everyone's kind of being on their A game. But in the end, this is about not just keeping the the voters that you have, but there is still this possibility of getting that middle ground, the people who have not decided who their candidate is going to be yet, and a lot of people who are not yet decided, and there's not a lot that haven't. But the ones that haven't, these candidates need, so often they make up their mind when they're watching these candidates. I would be so fascinated to someday, and listen, if you are a listener right now and you find yourself undecided right now and are waiting for the debates, I, I would love to be inside your mind, and I would love to speak to you the day after the debate. So 57500, that's our Utah Community Credit Union text line. If you are undecided and are waiting for the debate to make up your mind, I want to speak to you. Uh, so send your contact information. I'll give you a call after the show today. Uh, again, speaking with uh, Jason Perry from the University of Utah, the the presidential debate, which is coming up next week, was originally scheduled to uh, take place at uh, at Notre Dame. Notre Dame got a little hesitant due to COVID concerns. Said that because they couldn't uh, bring students into the auditorium, it would uh, you know it wouldn't give them the richest of experiences, and so they uh, they pulled out. Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, they put their hands up and said, "Hey, we can handle it." And so yeah. that's where uh, that debate will take place. Uh, so so I, I share all that uh, to get to the point uh, or the question of COVID. Things are shifting here in Utah. Has the, the, the commission been in contact with you? Do they have any concerns? This debate is going to happen certainly here? Well, the, the, the concern isn't about whether or not it's going to happen. But the question about whether we're in contact, I will tell you we're in contact every single day, multiple times every single day, uh, talking about COVID and the protocols. A couple interesting points on this, too, just to kind of show you how this has changed. And it's hard to, hard to know what all the ramifications were, the parameters for the universities that decided not to do this. But uh, what's happened for us is, is this, on, on COVID in particular and the testing, is uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates uh, specifically entered an agreement with the Cleveland Clinic, uh, which is, is giving the overview, the protocol guidance and the testing guidance. But because we have a world-class 
hospital and medical school here in the state of Utah and one of the three top reference labs in ARUP in the entire country. We're able to do some things for testing and protocols that others are not mm. able to do. Uh, and so and we've been working on these protocols every single day. And if you want some of those, what's going to happen, I'm happy to tell you. Uh, but uh, we have a very specific plan in place that we've been working on for a very long time. Very good. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear them. Our time has expired, though. Uh, maybe you and I can connect uh, maybe the day before the debate or something, and we can uh, hear about what we can expect to see here and what the experience of those participating will be. Jason Perry, thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for having your hands on this historic uh, event to take place here in Utah. This great honor. It is a great honor. Good talking with you. Likewise. Take it easy. All right, we're going to take a break. And in the final segment of today's episode, I want to tell you about some letters that have been discovered. And they are going on display publicly today. In the Nixon Library in California, there today will be a trove of letters between who? Between Richard Nixon and Donald Trump in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, it turns out they were pen pals. What did they write to one another? I will share that with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.